as an adult non-swimmer, I thought I relate to this crocodile, like I should be able to swim, but it's not really happening. And I'm like, there's a story in this. We've all got a little crocodile wants to swim in us and there's always a story there. You may contribute a verse. I'm Josh Munkin, children's lit author, father, science communicator, and podcaster, joined by Brenna Jennerette, children's lit author, mother, avid climber, and outdoors person, and podcaster. This is the podcast you may contribute a verse, where we talk to kid lit creators, share their stories, and learn from their journeys. I think we are starting to establish that there's no such thing as a normal kid lit publishing journey. Our guest today is author illustrator Kaz Winness, out with her debut picture book Swim Jim this May. Among Kaz's claims to fame prior to this year's debut with Swim Jim are a book of goth nursery rhymes called Mother Goth, a semi-graphic sort of graphic novel about a murderous and moody unicorn called If You're Stabby, and a viral picture of a thrift store leotard. We'll let that one speak for itself later in the conversation. We caught up with Kaz late in 2021, just after Swim Jim's cover reveal about the time of Fred Kaler's Quinn's Monsters Project, which Kaz was also participating in, and simultaneous with some regrettably missed Stabby the Unicorn painting auctions. Maybe next time. How things can change in just a few months. There's a lot to talk about and a lot more to come from Kaz. Find her absolutely gorgeous and only occasionally creepy art and words at windnessbooks.com. That's W-I-N-D-N-E-S-S books.com. Chaos ensues with Kaz, controlled chaos, delightful chaos, entertaining chaos. Here is Kaz Winness's verse. I got really excited about the pickles. No, I'm excited about pickles too. My dad is the third of 14, so I know oh, what it's wow. like to have that big family. Yeah. 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 Tons of cousins and... Yeah, it's really nice in some ways and in other ways it's, you know, it can be really overwhelming too. For like. Sure. Especially for my husband, who comes from, you know, a much smaller, like sort of reserved family, like anybody who marries into the family, like you come to that first Christmas party, and it's just like, oh, yeah. oh my God, yeah, like, could I have ready. a map or a printout of like, who goes where, you know, oh, like, who and belongs also to be who? ready for the chaos. And I think there is just a certain personality with those big families and these inside jokes and like, giving oh, each yeah. other a lot of crap. And <laughs> totally. um, it can be super overwhelming for someone coming in from the outside. But I had so much fun over at my grandma Lim's house growing up, just like getting into trouble, but also just um, having so many cousins that were also my friends and just having aunts and uncles that were like, um, they, you know, closer in age to me. So, you know, they were kind of like big brothers and big sisters and it's just so totally. Fun. Yeah. I have an aunt. The, so the youngest one is only 14 years older than me, which I mean, that's kind of big, but not too big. Cause like you're saying, when you grow up with them being sort of similar in age and she's hilarious. Like she, like we had a great time growing up with her because she's that. so funny, you know, like she used to play, she'd be like, Brenna, do you want to play sorry? And I'm like, Oh yeah. Cause as a sucker for board games, I'm like, I definitely uh-huh. want to play sorry. And she's like, okay, come here. And she pulled my hair just, you know, a little oh, bit. She's like, sorry. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> or she'd like step on my foot for pretend sorry. Oh, my like, goodness. And you probably oh, kept on falling for it too. Yes. Yes. I thought I was like 12 by the time I caught it. And I'm like, I'm not playing sorry with you. Like, no, would you like to play else. sorry with me? <laughs> right. My, yeah. My, the youngest is two years older than me because my oh, dad was wow. the third of 14. So you get all the way down to my aunt Della, aunt yeah. Ardella, 
And um, yeah, so we were, we were kind of right in that same pocket, you know, and I totally looked up to her and everything she said was, you know, truth and totally. Yeah, we don't, I definitely have those stories too, but never sorry. Thank goodness. You you both come from these gigantic families though. Sounds like. What's your background, Josh? A smaller family. (laughs) 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 One brother and both of my parents had one sibling each. So it was very, very manageable. Right. Same thing for my for my wife. Yeah, she's got one sibling, and then they've got more more siblings uh, in their big family beyond that. But um, it's all it's all manageable. We know everybody. We know yeah, everybody gets names. called "Hey you" or some <laughs> right. other person's name. Yeah, like people will show up at our parties sometimes, and I'm like, "So, no offense, but who are you? Like, right. you know, like oh. where did you come from? Yeah, like, I'm, I'm like, Facebook." Oh. Um, people are like, blah, blah, blah. hey, Aunt Kaz. And I'm like, I am your cousin. I am your cousin. <laughs> right. You're like, let me show you the family right tree. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The breakdown. Well, Kaz, thank you so much for coming on. My I, pleasure. We've been just rambling. But I, so I knew that I would be friends with you immediately because, Ooh. first of all, you're stabby. I loved that. I saw that and was like, Oh my oh, gosh, this you. is like the coolest thing I've ever seen in my whole life. I'm like, oh, she's awesome. done it like so well for kids and captured for middle grade and teens. Are you kidding me? It's like the perfect character. Everyone's so like broody and, you know, oh, sarcastic okay. and grouchy at that age. Plus for adults, I mean, Stabby is like the perfect mascot. But beyond that, that sequin leotard that you <laughs> found at thrift store shopping. Oh my God, Josh, I don't know if you've seen this picture. This leotard that Cass found at a thrift store is incredible. Didn't it go, it got, went viral, didn't it? Like that Yeah, it got that picked picture. up like BuzzFeed and some other, oh my it gosh. still is surfacing. Um, it's it so good. I was wearing that. I was just so excited and I didn't know which way to wear it. So I'm actually wearing it backwards. It's oh. backwards. I don't know. I think it's kind of better that way. I think that should be the new trend. But yeah, the rainbow sequin leotard is, is still in circulation. It's so um, good. Josh, it's back long in circulation in the, in, the, in the show notes. Yeah, right, right. It's long sleeved, but it's also a one piece like into shorts. It's incredible. All sequined. It's like oh my so gosh. good. Just bathroom yeah. trips. Impossible. Wearing that I mean, yeah, it does. It's it's challenging to get in and more challenging to get out. But once you're in it, why would you? Why would you leave? Yeah, right. exactly. You don't right. drink any water. Just just stay dehydrated. No, exactly. <laughs> how does that oh feel? How does that feel having that be your your momentary claim to fame? With yeah, claim, claim to fame. To fame. Uh, it was pretty crazy when it started to like pick up. Um, and I'm an introvert, like you wouldn't be able to tell that from that particular picture. And I do like to be the center of attention, but in like a really controlled way, <laughs> like, and it just was, most people were really nice about the comments and really complimentary, but you know, the, there's a second picture with that. That's kind of a back shot. And I have some insecurity about the backside. So I was getting like all kinds of different, either positive or a little too positive or, um, you know, like, and some, oh you know, occasional neg- negativity that you just kind of have to brush off. But it, it became overwhelming. I, uh, you know, it was kind of fun when it started to pick up, you know, uh, attention, but then it was a little too much. I kind of had to go under the sheets for a while, like. 
Um, yeah. yeah. I'm not sure that this whole being viral thing is all it's cracked up to be. Like, it's a little too much, too much attention. I felt like I had to kind of control or watch the comments or like jump in or, and I'm like, it's, it's just too big now that I, I can't manage it like that. I need to like surrender to the fact that this is no longer mine. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was, it was pretty wild. Well, there's the whole notion of any, I mean, any press being good press, but I, I think that that goes beyond relevance yeah. to what you're looking to be known for, for sure. Yeah, totally. Oh my gosh, oh, sure. I just found it. <laughs> oh, you're seeing I just it? Found yeah, the, it's I just so found oh, it. Oh, you found it? <laughs> you're welcome. It's worthy of notoriety. <laughs> I, I have a friend who I'm like, I just don't understand why it like, took off the way it did. And his comment was, do you know the term fan service? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and it term. just means like you're giving your audience what they want to see. And then I was oh. even more insecure <laughs> about the whole scenario. I'm like, oh my goodness, I didn't even realize, <laughs> but I guess you're right about that. Oh my gosh. It's it's interesting too because I think a lot a lot of the writers and you know, illustrator writers that we've had on the podcast tend to be more introverted. Mm -hmm. And I think introverted in a sort of extroverted way, like you're saying, yeah. like you like to have your work out there and sort of recognized and, you know, be well received, but also mm -hmm. in a very controlled way. And I mean, there are very few picture book authors that I would recognize on the street yeah, totally. if I ran into them. You know what right. I mean? So like, that's like a perfect outlet for for you and for, you know, a lot of other people who are like that, because you're sort of like, yeah, I want to be well known, but not that well known, you know? Right. Like, yeah, totally. So. I don't want to be stopped on the street. And I, you kind of, you, you lose your... Um, your safety, your privacy, your, yeah. So that is an, I, you know, that is, that is true. Most writers, even pretty well-known writers, no one would be able to recognize them unless they were like a Stephen King or a JK Rowling or something like right. that. Um, you don't totally. really hit that kind of big celebrity. And plus I don't want to be known for, like, I don't want to be an influencer. I, I want to be someone that really helps other people in the community. I want to be someone that's influential with, with kids. Um, but I don't want to be like, it, I'm not in it for fame. Like having my my stuff do well really gives me a platform, which is great. But it's not about me, you know, being the center of attention. It's about totally. me being able to help people in a bigger way. So th that's my goal. But, you know, I don't know how the rainbow <laughs> sequence suit falls into that whole dynamic, <laughs> but it, it's out there. Maybe I'll wear it to a school visit, like with a dress right. or something, but right. I need a sequin dress. <laughs> or or a, maybe a stabby horn for some cosplay. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Right. I, I think I actually have that. Or maybe do like, it would be fun to uh, write like the backstory of where that sequin jumpsuit has yeah. been or like where it came from. Like what is, you know, like some right. rainbow bright, yeah. like cast off like she she grew up into a teenager and was oh, like I'm yeah. not wearing this anymore like I'm out of here like totally. you know yeah <laughs> I, I mean I'm just an avid thrifter and I would love to talk more about thrifting and how wonderful it is and how it like disrupts the fast fashion industry oh, yeah. and recycling and um I mean that was a whole thrifted thing but yeah you're you're right there is you know more fantasy oriented ways of spinning that particular 
story. It could tie into that too. Cause I mean, I feel like that's so important for kids to talk about, you know, upcycling, recycling, yeah. all that stuff. $5 cashmere I'm wearing today. <laughs> I got yesterday. It is mm, delicious. And it looks it great. Looks and so for, for, and for our audio yes. audience, uh, yeah, it looks uh, like it costs way more than $5 for sure. Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take <you>. some screenshots. <laughs> So Kaz, can you tell us all about Stabby and where where that came from? Because I would love to hear the backstory of that. Sure. Um, so Stabby is actually, um, so I have a book called Mother Goth Rhymes. Yes. And this came out in mm. 2019 with Hermes Press. And in this book, there was a poem called If You're Stabby. And um, it goes, if you're stabby, you know it kill your friends it was it was the most <laughs> controversial poem in the book and I just have to like put an asterisk by this to say that these books are in a bit of a children's book format but they're certainly intended for the teen and adult audience they're not for little little kids even though I have heard of some little kids enjoying them but they would I'm not taking responsibility for that but um the that particular stabby poem we went to um comic-con in 2019 with awesome. the book and there was a big banner over the top of um, the Hermes press booth and it just attracted a ton of attention. We sold out the, the um, special edition copies within two days. Oh, wow. um, and there was just a lot of buzz around it, especially around the stabby character. And so during the panel, several people were saying, is there a stabby book? Is there stabby merch? We want stabby. Stabby is the thing we're interested in. So after uh, Comic-Con, I just started talking with Hermes Press and um, they were like, do you have stabby material? And I'm like, sure, sure, I'll do a stabby <laughs> book. And, you know, I, I showed them a cover concept, which I changed the design of stabby. And they bought the book on the spot. They oh, sent wow. me a contract, unseen. So I didn't actually know what kind of content I was going to put in the book. Although I did know that I, I've always loved like comics and that kind of panel humor. And I'd really wanted the opportunity to do um, a book that had comic panels in it. So I knew mm -hmm. that was part of it. And the other thing is I really love doing um, parodies on very famous art. And also the thrifting element comes in again, because I had been collecting these you know, abandoned, uh, kind of cheesy thrift paintings. And I had started to paint Stabby into the thrift paintings. I've seen some of those. They're awesome. So, yeah. Um, so I started to just, you know, and then the pandemic hit and the book was delayed. And I just had all this time on my hands, honestly, to just like create and explore and do whatever I wanted with that Stabby concept. And eventually I had enough material that I'm like, okay, I can start organizing this into how it makes sense, how I want to roll it out in the book. So it ended up being a collection of, you know, comics and the comic style pan panels. Um, it ended up being, you know, parodies like the Stabby Lisa and the girl with the eye earring that has like a bloody eyeball hanging <laughs> off of their ear um, and and a collection of the thrifted the thrifted stabified thrifted paintings um so it came together and i think it's like an 80 page book of just that kind of humor you know and meanwhile like living through a pandemic is 
a bumpy thing. And Mm. I just really, you know, stabby was a way of me expressing my own frustration and annoyance and anger and sadness um, in a way that was really cathartic for me. And then I knew it would be cathartic for others. Um, So I think that's why it's hit in a way that feels like really relevant to a lot of people because they know what it's like to feel stabby. Um, (laughs) So that's, that's really the history of stabby. Um, It officially came out in July. I'm having my big um, uh, book celebration tomorrow at the Wandering Jellyfish, which is here in Colorado in Niwot. And we're showing the stabified thrift paintings. Um, They're on auction right now with, um, with uh, proceeds going to the Trevor Project so people can own a piece of Stabby. And so Very it's cool. just been, it's been a lot of things. It's not just a book. Um, it's just, it, and it's been great for me because Hermes Press let me do whatever I wanted. And of course I want to like be creative and explore. And, you know, it was just hard to like, there's a lot of material that didn't make into it, into the book. So just yeah. like paring it down into something that was concise and made sense in an organized way was the biggest challenge for me. And acknowledging too, um, that, that this feels like it was a pretty quick turn. Um, yeah. there's a whole bunch of content in, if you're stabby, acknowledging mm-hmm. the pandemic. I mean, I don't know about a whole, a whole bunch, but I know that the, the pandemic panda, uh, makes yeah. an appearance in a couple and, of pages. And so uh-huh. you know, that not only does that defy, does the book, there you go. So not, good. not only does, does the book defy the conventional wisdom of get it done, pitch it, have it acquired, and then refine it over time. I mean, it, your experience has turned that on its head, but it also bucks the conventions of you got to wait a couple of years for this to, to come out. It kind of seizes on the, the, the uh, interest in the stabby yeah. character. Mm. Well, that's the nice thing with working with Hermes Press is they do have the ability to turn around. Uh, they could have had it out the year before that, honestly. Um, mm. I just felt like, you know, pandemic's hitting, things are weird. I really want more time to like, you know, I'm I'm having my own depression, so it's taking me a little longer to figure things out. I just need a moment to sit on this. And honestly, that was a way I overcame having that paralysis is just to start drawing about it with, you know, Stabby being me <laughs> facing like, okay, I guess I'm the home teacher now. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, yeah, but it is a very fast. And in fact, uh, uh, Mother Goth Rhymes, I had less than a year to produce all the art from Mother Goth Rhymes and, oh, wow. you know, get it all edited and polished up and all that stuff before it came out. I mean, the nice thing about that is that you have a book quickly, like the thing that you're producing is coming out right away. Whereas now I have um, a few books with Simon and Schuster and it's, you know, just like most of what you hear about publishing, like it's slow. I mean, first it takes all that time to like produce something that's of a quality that it can be acquired. And then you're out in the market looking for a publisher to pick it up. And then it gets picked up and then you slowly, you get a contract and then, you know, and the other thing is if you're an artist, so it's not just working with an editor on, editor on doing the, the book edits, it is waiting until you have approached the takeoff strip where you get assigned an art director. And because they're lined up, it's just like planes on a takeoff. Um, They're lined up, they're working on other books. You have to wait for your art director. And once you get your art director, even though you've been like ready, ready for months and months and months and months, you 
it, it goes so fast because you only have them for so long. So it's like, you know, four months and then a couple months to like, you know, have them do edits and you do edits and go to, you know, proof your F and G's and, you know, you do all the zhuzh and the cover and the, the, um, the case cover and the end papers and all the kind of little details. So it's like crazy fast. And then you're just waiting. So you have, for me, it's better to have multiple projects going because mm. uh, I, I just have so much anxiety anywhere. Anyway, I, I need that to go somewhere. So having multiple projects is good for me. <laughs> and usually it works out that I can like, okay, I'm really focused on, you know, Stabby right now. Okay. Now I can focus on swim gym. Okay. Now I'm going to focus on Bitsy Bat. Um, so far it's worked out okay that I can spin those plates, but we'll see. It's going to, it's starting to get crazy. I've never really had like multiple contracts kind of on the -hmm. same time coming out at a similar time of year. Mm -hmm. And that's happening right now. So far it's okay, but we'll see. Today is good. (laughs) Tomorrow when you have the, when you have your release, it'll be crazy again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It will be crazy tomorrow, and then and then I'll go back into my shell for a while, rock back and forth, and then I'll let it be crazy again. Yeah, I didn't know the about the art director thing about yeah, because I didn't either. So, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Josh, Josh and yeah. I are just uh, authors, so we're not yeah. author illustrators. So we, you know, my thought is okay. It actually gets picked up, and then you know the publishing house chooses an illustrator, and then they, mm-hmm. you know, that's all on that side. So. Mm-hmm. With an art director, so you're saying they get assigned to you like just X amount of time. You can't just sort of like, oh, okay, like I, you know, work on these edits until they're done. It's, it's there's a timeline. Yeah. Um. It. it I mean, you get assigned the art director, so you know who you're going to be working with, and there's kind of an introduction there, and they might tell you to start working on like, you know, I want you to be ready with character designs. Um, you know, we definitely need the rough dummy. So you have, so we have an idea of where to start with what you're thinking about how you want to illustrate this book. So you Mm. might have little things that are already, you're already working on, but they really don't have the time to like be working on all the projects on the, the, um, publishers lineup at the same time. So it really is a focused amount of time that you get with them. So it's like, you just got to be ready you got to have your body healthy. <laughs> uh, you just got to be ready to go very, very, very fast once you get them. You think you have like, oh, it's not coming out for, you know, two years and I'm going to have at least a year to work on it. You do not have a year to work on it. You have six months if you're lucky. And oh, within man. that six months, you're still waiting. I mean, there will just be downtime when you're waiting for your editor and art director to have the time to give you those notes so you can go back and start editing. And a lot of times they'll come back to you, you know, after a month and they're like, okay, here's all your notes. Can you, can you have it in two weeks? Can you have it in a month? And like, you can work with them and say, you know, I got this other thing going on or that's a little too fast. And they're like, okay, we can wiggle a little bit with you, but it is very, it is very, very, very fast, but they, they do their best to make, I mean, everything Laurent, uh, Lynn Simon Schuster has given me has been really constructive, like spot on edits. They're absolutely things I want to do. And he and Catherine uh, Ladone um, are always, she's my editor, are providing notes that are really constructive. So I can really think about how to accomplish the things they've asked me to do in a short amount of time. So it's not like all me trying to figure out these illustrative pro- problems, but it is, it, I, I, I being, 
with a traditional, you know, big publisher, I was pretty surprised how fast that was. So thank goodness I've had years of practice so I can move fast. Like there's certain things that are just like in my subconscious. I know how composition works. I can spot when something really isn't going to work. I'm not saying that I've arrived in any way, shape or form, but there are things that are just like second nature to me now that were not second nature to me, you know, even just a few years ago. So thank goodness that's in place because you do, Mm -hmm. you can't, you can't like sit around and, you know, do it a million times. You just got to do it. Yeah, and the and you become part of this bigger machine, and we we mm-hmm. approach this work from an individual creator perspective. But once your stuff is part of Simon and Schuster or any publisher, it's mm-hmm. it's not like you have two years to work on the book. It's like the whole team has two years to get this book yep. out the door, and there's so many dominoes that have to fall into place. Oh yeah, and if you're if you're delayed or anyone in that line is delayed, it really um, messes up the system, especially now, like. We're having the the shortages and things stuck in cargo ships on mm. on the way from you know China or wherever your book is being printed. Like there's so many things that are just like jamming up the system. You don't want to be one of the things that is jamming up the system, especially for me as like I basically just broke in. I mean, Swim Gym is my first uh, my debut um, author illustrated picture book. So I certainly don't want to be the one <laughs> that caused the holdup. Like I want mm-hmm. to be the most fun and efficient person <laughs> they have ever worked with. So <laughs> I can keep my foot in the door and keep on doing the thing that has been my dream job since I was a little tiny kid. Like I'm not going to jam up the system. It's not going to be on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so Kaz, tell us about Swim Gym. So I don't, since it's we've had the cover reveal and you, you're talking mm-hmm. about it a little bit, I don't know yeah. how much you can tell us, but if you can tell I can us tell the, you a lot story. And, okay, tell it's us. It's available for, for pre-sale now, so I can oh, tell you all about okay. it. You should definitely pre-order it. It's coming out uh, May awesome. of 2023, but pre-orders okay. available now. Um, so Swim Gym came about as an idea, I think it was in 2018. I saw this little article come across Twitter feed and it was about, it was the crocodile that was on a pool noodle in, uh, I think it was Key West, like just crossing a canal on a pool noodle. And I thought it was the funniest thing ever. And as an adult non-swimmer, I thought (laughs) I relate to this crocodile, like I should be able to swim, but it's not really (laughs) happening. And I'm like, there's a story in this. So I did a little drawing. I texted my uh, agent, uh, Tim Travellini. And he was like, what is this? And I'm like, oh, it's just a funny idea I had. He's like, this is a story. I could sell this. And I'm like, all right, I will write this story. So it took me a few months to kind of figure out what the story is about. And, you know, it's about a, a little crocodile named Jim who's afraid of the water. And he has these two siblings, Kim and Sim, and they're, you know, right down to the water, avid swimmers. And Jim is not. He's just too afraid. So he goes on a hunt for a he's overwhelmed by how deep and dark and scary the swamp is he wants to find a little pool where he can practice um his swimming skills uh, maybe with the help of some floaties like a pool awesome. noodle. yes um, yeah <laughs> so so it's pretty fun he tries a few things and of course he ends up in a human neighborhood and chaos ensues but ultimately the story ends in a happy happy way but it's super fun to draw a crocodile wearing 
snorkel and yes. floaties and oh, so much fun. Oh my gosh. I, I definitely need to put that on my list of things to pre-order. Yes, please do. I, Thank you. I love swim gym. I love the idea too that, that chaos ensues is like the chaos ensues. the like yes. through, through line uh, for all hashtag of chaos <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> i know i feel like we should use that when we critique now just be like where's the ensuing chaos right we need, where we is need it? the yeah right? we need a Tension. mounting ensuing chaos yeah, yeah. where's the without chaos? it yeah without it we have no story like there's right, no right. there's no mounting Vi tension there's no yeah. means vitamin chaos <laughs> yes yes and so then, so you also have Bitsy Bat coming out in yeah. 2023. And so is that, are you working on both of those now to get ready? Or did, is, I say, did I say Swim Gym was coming out in 2023? It's yeah, May. next year, next 2022. May 2022. Okay, got it, got it. Yeah, I live a year ahead. Now that I have books coming out, I tend to think totally. that it is the year that my book is coming out. I've like scheduled people to speak at conferences telling them that it was a year later than it was like, I'm getting in so much trouble with this, but no, <laughs> Jim, Jim, I just finished. I proved the final artwork. It, it looks gorgeous. I'm just really happy with how that turned out. Um, so that is coming out next year, 2022 Bitsy bat school star comes out in 2023. That is correct. Also um, worm and caterpillar, which is a young, uh, graphic novel is coming out in 2023. So Worm and Caterpillar and that's working title. Uh, we're still, we're just started into edits on that. That's coming mm. out spring of 2023 and Bitsy Bat is coming out summer of 2023. Um, so oh, yeah, they're wow. real, they, I'm working on both of those right now. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the graphic novel is 64 pages. Bitsy Bad is 40 pages. Jim is 40 pages too. I, I don't tend to do the 32 page books, unfortunately. Like <laughs> my storytelling takes a little longer to kind of unfold, but yeah, it means you get more lush, rich illustrations. And more um, chaos. Yeah. 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 Right. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so working on those at the same time, um, I mean, my editors and that whole, the Simon Schuster folks are just, they're lovely. They're amazing and just so encouraging. And um, so, so far it's been really, it's been really great. It's going to get hectic at some point when I get into final artwork for both of them, probably at the same time. Mm. Um, the nice thing about a graphic novel project is the style is a little more, you know, that graphic style is, is a bit faster because it's not so dependent on all those, you know, deep textures and details. And, you know, you have the, pa the panel set up again, which means more illustrations on a page, but it's kind of a more simple immediate style. So I'm hoping mm. that pays off for me in the long run that I'm doing two books at the same time. And one is that rich painterly uh, picture book style. And the other is more of a graphic, you know, uh, graphic style, but yeah, I mean, it's fun. It, it definitely keeps me on my creative toes. I think that's the nice thing about having multiple things going is I never get, well, I probably shouldn't say never, but I, I never get so bored with anything. Like I, if I'm starting to get stuck on something or it's just like too much on one project, I can move to another project. And it's really interesting. I'm sure you, you've experienced this by writing multiple manuscripts at the same time that you find a problem solution in one thing will spur a problem solution in the other thing. And just mm -hmm. being in that creative pocket helps you helps your brain be more 
I'm just imagining gym gymnast. <laughs> it means that you're <laughs> you're more able to adapt and flow and problem solve. Yeah, totally. And it it helps to get unstuck too. Like if you're yes. just battling, you know, yes. that one manuscript and you know the climax of the tension or whatever, and you just can't right. come up with it. Like I've had that just this week. I've been like battling with this thing, and I'm like, why? Why is this so hard? Mm-hmm. Like this should be so easy to write. Like I know the voice, I know what I want to say, but I mm-hmm. just couldn't get it. And mm-hmm. so yeah, so I actually. So I stopped working on that and I switched to, um, I was working on Quinn's Monsters project for a little bit with the Fred Kaler project. Yeah. Which actually, so we mentioned your name in, in the podcast we did with him because when I saw, yeah, because when I saw the cover, it came across and I was like, oh, that looks awesome. And then I looked more into the project and I was like, I so want to be a part of this. And then at the bottom, the little cover that he had done, you know, sort of uh-huh. promoting it. I saw your I saw your face and I was like, oh, Kaz is part of it. That's so yes. cool. Like I want yeah, to be involved. Awesome. So, anyways, so I, you know, I I wanted to be in there regardless, but that was sort of the cherry on top. I was like, whoa, cool. I could be in, oh, in the same so book as Kaz. Yeah. So like <laughs> it's such a it's such a beautiful way of, you know, bringing joy to Quinn and oh my I mean, gosh. How, I know and it. you want us to draw or write about monsters like sign me up for that please. right and and I said I, I had mentioned this on the podcast with him too like as as a writer especially I mean for children's books specifically it's it's mostly a selfish endeavor on my part not not that I'm not mm-hmm. trying to do it for kids sure. but I do it because I really enjoy it like it's a yeah. really fun to create a outlet for me and you know, all of my stress and anxiety can go into all of these like crazy make-believe worlds. And mm-hmm. of course, you know, there's a message and I do want to inspire and help kids, but sure. Quinn's Monsters Project was a whole new level of like feeling, you know, like you're doing more, like you're doing yeah. something outside of yourself and you're, you know, we're doing this like great thing for this little girl. And that, I mean, all she wants is a couple of monster stories that where she yeah. stars in it. I mean, yeah, yeah of course, totally. you know. I can't believe his inbox wasn't just like jammed, you know, with all of these submissions. I mean, he got, he got lots and lots and lots, but I, I feel like every writer. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to see it come out. Did it help you? Were you able to go back to your original manuscript and find a way around that? Or have you had the chance yet? Yeah. So this morning, yeah, I did come back to it. And um, I think I finally figured out, you know, how to navigate through that sticky part. Like I have a structure Mm -hmm. now, which is helpful. Like that's what it was missing Mm -hmm. because the ending just came too fast. You know, when that happens and you're like, this is how I want it to end. And then you're like, it's a little too easy. It was kind of a gimme, you know, so you have to make it like a little harder, but you're like, okay, but how? So yeah, yeah, no, I think it really did because it's just helpful to switch to something totally different and be like, oh, this is really fun again instead yeah. of like hurting my brain, you know? Right. So Right. And then you stop hitting your head against the wall of like, I'm not going to be able to figure this out. <laughs> it's too hard. This is impossible. And it's like you're kind of you're telling yourself that you can't. And then if you move to something else, you you get your confidence again. And you're starting to think about things in a different way. Like you thought there was only one through road, but there's actually a lot of ways of solving that problem. Totally. Yeah. How about does you, it, Josh? Well, does it help you? I'm curious, does it help you to work across age groups? Or do you think about yourself working across age groups given oh, yeah, Mother for Goth sure. and um, I So... Um, I was a, I guess you could call it, I have, my name's in this book. I was a, um, I hired a writer for Dorothy's Derby Chronicles, Rise of the Undead Redhead. There's two of these books, Glow of J. Doe. 
So um, middle grade, I mean, middle grade is my reading pocket. I love middle grade. That's, I mean, middle grade fantasy. You're kidding me. I will, I will read that until they stop making them. And I hope they never stop making them because that is my pocket. Um, it's just switching gears. I mean, it's a different skill set. Like writing, storytelling is storytelling, right? Um, but knowing your audience, um, knowing... Um, you know, sometimes I get too adulty. Well, obviously, in like my picture book stuff, and then it just right. kind of ends up being an adult book. But, um, you know, knowing your audience and having a real clear focus of, you know, um, what the what the story is, and how you convey that story in a way that's digestible for that particular audience. But I, I really think writing is writing, creativity is creativity, art is art. I don't, it doesn't, you know, for me, going from a tablet, drawing on screen to painting on a canvas to, you know, drawing in my sketchbook, it's all, it's all same skill sets. Like you, the tools are different, but it's all same skill sets and you just, you know, editing is editing, right? Like, um, you know, uh, mounting tension is mounting tension, whether you're writing a, a middle grade novel or you're writing a picture book, um, you know, and composition is still composition, whether it's for an older audience or a younger audience or a painting, it's, you, you have to know how people are going to be observing or, you know, reading what you're presenting to them. But it really, it all crosses for me, you know, something I've said before, and I'll say it again, is I'm a creative shark. If I am not creating, I am dead in the water. You know how sharks have to be swimming mm. or they die. <laughs> mm -hmm. that, that's me. So even if I don't have something going on, like I'm, I'm cutting up fabric and I'm sewing it into something or like I have to be creating something. So I, I just think it's a product of who I am. But to answer your um, question about does it help to be working cross age groups? I think so. I think it fulfills my, you know, like, like. Uh, Brenna said, you know, there, there is a selfish piece of that. So it satisfies my love of picture books and of middle grade books and of, you know, kind of darker humor. Like I do get to satisfy all those interests and also find others who have those same interests and I'm able to share it with them, which is really fulfilling as a creative human. Um, just to see it land, to see how people respond to it, hopefully more positive than negative. Um, you know, it's it's fulfilling to see the thing that you love and you work so hard at um, hitting, you know, like like being received. Um, because part of art is how it's viewed. It takes your art to a different level, you know, when someone else is having a conversation with it and finding things in it that you didn't even know that you were you were presenting you were creating mm. but but there it is so no it's it's great for me um I mean my my main passion is picture book and has always been picture book there's just that storytelling and and the combination of how the art tells the story as well that's my big yummy big 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 dream since forever so I'm so grateful and happy to be really in that pocket right now but um yeah I, I love all those things variety yeah, yeah, right. Spice, yeah. spice of life. That's right. I mean, from from my part, uh, my day job is a science communicator, and, oh, cool. and it's completely different. The experience is completely sure. different in 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 a very different way from you know writing a stabby comic to writing a picture book spread. Mm -hmm. But the but the theory is the same: is flexing the same concise communication, 
getting the yeah. point across muscles in different ways and they right. scratch each other's itches just like working on different manuscripts you know like, like brenna said working on different manuscripts can un unlock insights for that for each other yeah. as well so wow, that's yeah. beautifully said i mean i teach illustration at a college so you know obviously there's a lot of that similar skill sets but also being able to pass on those skill sets but I, that's, that's really brilliantly said. I mean, I worked in an office in real estate for many, many years and mm -hmm. just that concise communication, also the importance of contracts and knowing how to read a contract <laughs> and, um, you know, and just the people skills around that because publishing is a business too, right? Yeah. Um, so you just take everything. That's one advantage, I think, of peaking late. <laughs> I mean, I just turned, four, <laughs> just turned 47 and I think it's great because you just take all these skill sets. Nothing is lost. Everything mm -hmm. contributes back into what you're doing in your creative career, your big dream goals. Like nothing is lost. So um, I, that, that's really beautifully described, Josh. Well, Kez, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate you coming yeah, on the podcast. Is, this is super fun. Is there anything else that you wanted to plug or let the audience know about before before we go? Well, for sure, pre-order Swim Gym that is coming out, correction, next year, uh, <laughs> 2022. Um, uh, if you're savvy, is available right now um, on all your places. You can order online if you like. but um, Or if you're savvy.com, we'll get you right to the publisher, which is nice to support. Oh, that, that is nice. Um, yeah. yeah. And that's spelled U-R-I-F-U-R. S T A B B Y dot com. Go there. You can get that. But also, Mother Goth Rhymes. This is a great, fun book. You would really like it. And you can just go to mothergothrhymes.com and that will get you right to the publisher, too. But this is available oh, everywhere. Um, I think you really need to have both of these books if you're stabby and Mother Goth Rhymes. <laughs> you know, companion books. Great Definitely. In anyone's library. It's um, the so audience's are... option whether or not they share it with their kids, I suppose. Oh, yes. Uh, they're definitely... Um, Make sure you read it first. I have heard of somebody just leaving it on their bookshelf and they came in to find their mo mom reading it to their like three-year-old kid. <laughs> if you're stabby and you know it, kill your friends. Um, yeah, so you might want to put a little padlock on it or something, but you should totally own a copy of it. Um, but otherwise, you can just follow me. I'm on all pretty much all the social medias. Kaz uh, um, Witness or witnessbooks.com is my website. But Kaz Witness, you search that, you'll find me everywhere. So feel free to follow me. I, I'm, I have another like four things I'm working on that I can't oh, tell you about. So <laughs> I will always have new fun stuff for you to follow. And um, yeah, so I would love to meet everybody. Yeah, awesome. we'll speak to you again when the time is right to talk about those. Perfect. There's more. Yeah, so definitely. much more. But wait. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> thank you so much, Kes. Well, it was great you. to talk with you. I'm glad we finally got to do this because I've I've been telling Josh for a while. I'm like, Kaz is so great. Like, we have oh, to get her on. You. So it, I'm really pleased to have had you on finally. Well, that's awesome. Thank <laughs> you I didn't so much resist for it, me. just to be clear. Yeah, right. No, she wasn't. <laughs> anyone but yeah right <laughs> yeah right right <laughs> who, um who else do you have um <laughs> yeah right who else is on the list no, well i'm so kidding. glad you invited me it was super fun to meet you both and this was great you may contribute a verse thanks for listening this week 
Find out more about us and our guests and the artists behind our cover and theme music at our websites, verse.show, renagenerate.com, and joshmonkwords.com. See you next verse. Bye.